Blog Talk Radio. Hello, everybody. This is Marcy Ann, and welcome to my show today. I uh, recently was at a singles event, and the men and the women were bashing each other. And, you know, these were older adults. It was amusing at first until it wasn't, because I actually got up and left. I didn't want to be the whipping post for all of the damaged men who were sitting at that table. It seems that the men think the women are out to take as as much advantage of them and their money as they can get away with. But the women say all the men want is sex. So there we have it. (laughs) The dilemma. And not just today's dilemma, because this is since the beginning of the creation dilemma. It's at the root of all of the other crises on the earth. Actually, I'm going to say that again. It's at the root of all of the other crises on the earth. Well, this all started way, 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 way back when man discovered that sex with a woman was a lot more satisfying than with the sheep. Although, according to documented experience, a sheep's anus is the most like a woman's vagina, there still isn't the love and caring and touching and the intimacy that's involved. You know, or perhaps I should say should be involved in having sex. I mostly don't like to word that, use that word should because it sounds judgmental and I don't mean it that way. I guess you could say that if you're with a sheep, you would be having sex. And if you're with a woman, you would be making love. I understand there is a physical point with a man when it wouldn't matter if it was a sheep or a woman. (laughs) But getting to that point and then the time after that point is where the difference would be. So men needn't want to have sex, and women are the most pleasurable to have sex with. So what do we do about this? You know, my mother taught me that men had to have sex. It seems that a man's testicles are making several million sperms per day (laughs) that's about 1500 per second (laughs) so apparently it is somewhat in man's best interest health-wise to empty out these testicles on a fairly regular basis because maybe they hurt you know or feel pressured And it's also, men, the prostate that brings the sperm from the testicles up to the urethra of the penis for the ejaculation. So the best way to not get prostate cancer is to keep that prostate doing its job on a regular basis. And I have said this many times on my show, guys. If you don't have a regular sex partner, keep those testicles emptied out and that prostate healthy with masturbation. So now we, I think we all agree that the men are going to go for the sex. So how can we include the woman in this scenario on some kind of a value basis? <clears throat> 
You know, it's interesting to me that most of the countries in the world have legalized prostitution. Some of these countries might really surprise you, you know, like America's Victorian motherland, England, (laughs) and Italy, you know, a mostly totally Catholic country that doesn't even allow their priests to have sex with women. But they allow women to take money to have sex. Most people are familiar with that red light district in Amsterdam. It's a big tourist attraction. And I walked down that street and looked at those girls sitting in the windows. You know, I think if the curtains were pulled shut, then the woman was with a client. (laughs) And most of these countries regulate the prostitution so that the women are safe and healthy. You know, according to Wikipedia, over $180 billion is spent every year with over 10 million women offering sexual services for pay in countries all over the world. And the statistics of these countries that have legalized prostitution in some form prove that making sex available within the community on a legalized paid basis greatly reduces rapes, sexual assaults, sexual harassment, and I guess you could say all of the ways men use to get their sexual needs fulfilled. And it is one way for the woman to have value, because at least she is paid for the man to get the sex. Well, one of these adults at this singles event said, men, we all know that all the woman wants to know is how much you've got in your wallet. She isn't interested in you. She's interested in how much money you have to subsidize all her travel and entertainment desires, her wardrobe, her next car payment, and oh, yeah, the rent is due. What's any different than being with a prostitute? Well, this was when I got up and left. Clearly, all he wants is for a woman to just fall into his arms, spread her legs, and give him the use of her body until he is satisfied. And then he will go home without nary a thought of her from then on until he needs to have sex again. And then he'll probably show up at that same singles place where he met her before, and he might remember her name or not. He says the modern woman is selfish. He calls it modern woman's selfish philosophy. Me first. What's in it for me, me, me? I would say, what's this say about him, him, him? (laughs) Well, how are we going to determine the value of the woman? You know, that's mostly what is at the core of the woman's movement. It seems that women are seeking validation in the workplace as a way of validating their personal idea of their true value. They say equal pay for equal work. But this is such a curious request to me because men and women aren't equal. They're not equal in lots of lots and lots of ways. Just one, men are physically stronger. They're created stronger. Their masculine hormone is testosterone. And when that activates in the fight-or-flight situation, blood rushes to their muscles, and they fight. Women are called the weaker vessel in the Bible, and this is not something to be ashamed of. We're not as strong as men because we don't need to be as strong as men. We're not going to be outdoing what they're doing. 
our feminine hormone is estrogen. In fight or flight, we are more apt to flee. <laughs> unless, and this is a big unless, if there's children involved, then watch out because that woman will stand her ground to protect the children. Because that's when her testosterone activates. You know, as humans, men and women all start out female and make both hormones. And then if you have an XY sex chromosome, you'll be male, have a penis and testicles, and produce more than 50% testosterone. And if you have an XX sex chromosome, you'll be female, have a vagina, ovaries, breasts that make milk, and create more than 51% estrogen. But both sexes produce both hormones. Now, I've met a couple women in my life who I know are stronger than some men. It's mostly because those men are very, uh, you know, small and uh, not, not very strong. Our physicality is made up of our genetic combinations of DNA from our mom and our dad. And sometimes these DNA combinations go back many, many generations. And this is why in the days when civilizations always picked the man to marry their daughter, they would go back five generations looking for insanity and disease and other disabilities they didn't want in their family. They didn't know about DNA back then, but they did know that certain stuff ran in families. It's also critical to add here that in in these in those days there was a dowry paid for the daughter and the dowry remained her private property. And then if she was abandoned for any reason, which usually was because she couldn't produce an heir for the man, she would have that dowry to provide for her care and maintenance. This was the forerunner of uh, alimony and was just another attempt to pay for the woman's value. And remember that man had to toe the line in those days because the definition of husband was that he was a householder. He already owned land and had a house on it. And only then would he be qualified and considered suitable to ask for a woman's hand in marriage. Well, we've progressed in our Western civilization to having the job of checking the man out now be relegated to the woman. Although in some cultures in the world, husbands are still picked out by the family. I have worked with uh, three girls and one gentleman from different cultures, and two of these had their husbands chosen for them by their parents. One was from Iran. In her country, she was considered a prize. And she told me that five different gentlemen bid for her to be their wife. She said that her father let her look at the pictures of these gentlemen to see if she felt anything. And she said she was attracted to one of the gentlemen in the picture in particular. She said he was rich, but he wasn't the richest of the five men. But she liked his smile. And so her father chose him for his daughter, and they were married. And that man paid a big dowry for her. This is an ancient, ancient times. This is right here, right now. (laughs) So when they came to the U.S., she saw how different things were here, and she asked to talk to me one day in the lunchroom. And she told me 
she was beginning to want to have a baby, and she didn't know if she loved her husband or not. She told me that how he had been chosen for her, and she said, I'm sure he, will, he would be a, a wonderful father, but I have to have my baby with a man I am in love with. Well, her aunt was already in the U.S. when she came here, so she moved in with her aunt for a while in order to give her marriage a test. And her husband began to romance her. (laughs) He sent her flowers, and he bought her presents, and he called and took her out to dinner and dancing, you know, all those typical Western ways of romancing. And through the weeks that ensued, more and more she realized that she not only loved him, but indeed she really was in love with him. She thought he was wonderful. So they began the pleasures of making their baby together. (laughs) Well, the second girl was from China. Uh, Now, this time my niece was living with me, going through the agonies of Western-style dating, and I watched her frustrations and disappointments while I was also observing my Chinese co-worker just being calm and carefree while her parents were seeking a proper mate for her in China. I mean, what a difference. Well, her parents finally found a young man they thought was worthy. He was already a a doctor and was practicing medicine in China. And they had him checked out to the fifth generation, and he checked out really good. No insanity, no heart trouble, no diabetes, no disabilities. His family had a super strong genetic health background. So it was arranged for them to meet. My co-worker's parents had sent a picture of him in advance to his family, and they booked the flight. The evening of their arrival, she did meet him, and he said to her, When I looked at your picture, I immediately fell in love with you. And her heart was gladdened, and they were married the next day. His family had already set up all the arrangements for the wedding, and also they had had a photographer booked to do the group of wedding day pictures. You know what? It included a picture of him on a white horse, a real white horse, (laughs) in his white suit and her in her white wedding gown. It just was a great picture. Well, I also worked with a gentleman who was an Indian from Bangladesh, and his marriage had been arranged by his and her parents. And I asked him if they loved each other, and he said yes. And they have four children. And I asked him, are you going to arrange your daughter's marriages? Because his two daughters were born here and have grown up here. And he said, her mother and I will be involved. We will let her know which families have sons that we approve of. And then he smiled and said, I already have my eye on one young man for my oldest daughter. (laughs) Well, in all three of these cultures, Hindu, Iranian, and Chinese, there is still a dowry paid. The woman's value is considered from the very beginning. And the men from these other cultures are established landowners with a home and earn big incomes. 
all the women had big, expansive weddings. And my niece ended up going back to the Midwest to try to find a man of conservative family values. She met a gentleman who came from a big family, and they were married at the courthouse. No dowry, no big wedding. She is a nurse practitioner, so she's the main wage earner, and her husband is a disabled stay-at-home dad and sells things from estate sales on eBay. Well, I'm going to end this show at this point and call it part five of my current series, Women, We Are Never Going to Win This Battle. I was going to call it as prostitution the answer, but it belongs in my series about women, who we are, why we're here, what is our purpose, and how are we going to judge our value. I think there's enough to think about just in this show. And so in my next show, I will continue. Thanks for listening, and give this your fullest considerations. How do you value yourself? What do you expect from your civilization to show you that you are valued?